0: Hey, this is uh, Joe Gary, and you're listening to the How to Be Unpopular podcast. Um, I just wanted to do this intro because, you know, there's lots of different types of skating. And uh, I know there's people trying a lot of new things, but I just wanted to say um, we should do what's been working over the past decade and uh, stick to that because um, the sooner we, we bring back Mind Game and um, bring back Daily Bread, bring back Life Plus, the sooner we can move forward. I mean, I'm all for people trying new things, but um, we just got to get it back to how, how it was before. Um, I don't know if we need to split off into two things, but we just need to focus on the past decade and, and key on, on those, those particular things that were working, because a lot was working. Um, you know, that's how we got to where we are today, is, uh, is by just maintaining, focusing, supporting, Uh, representing, and, um, you know, there's been a lot of momentum in the past uh, 10 years. And I don't, I just, I see, um, you know, people trying different things and it's great and everything, but um, I just think things like, like bringing Mind Game back, uh, bringing Daily Bread back, um, Life Plus, and just sticking to what we've been doing, the momentum, maintaining, supporting, representing, um, I think we'll all be in a, in a good place, you know? you, Joe Gary, for that intro. Uh, Interesting plan. We'll see how that works out. I think think however you want to perceive skating, that's the most important thing. I don't think it needs to be one way. I think it needs to be a bunch of different ways, and all those bunch of different ways make up the whole. We'll get there eventually. Uh, You know, I said before, if you just want to watch Alex Broskow and KFC in KFC two and and build everything around that, how you skate, how you want to see skating, how you personally portray skating, we live in a world where it's the easiest time ever to do that. So, so go for it. Um, I was feeling a lot of resistance going into this uh, solo cast because there was so much... Um, and I haven't been podcasting a lot. And that's because those... Um, in the bits of free time that I did have, apart from work and life stuff, the skating stuff was purely dedicated to the wizard frame testing it. Now, it's funny to think that the first one... Um, Leon sent me a pair of frames about six months ago. and I both a pair of frames, actually. He got to try his before I did. Um, and I made a little edit trying the frames with some rollerblade stock wheels, 90mm, and I called it wizard frame testing. And there was no plan to make extra ones, but I guess there something happened with that first one. There was a spark, and then a whole bunch more happened. And now... This point in time is where I never would have thought that I would have got a message from Matthew Ledoux to I didn't know he was even getting a setup. um I didn't know he had the setup, but I got a message and and it was cool. He was like, um, i think I think it would be fitting if if I uploaded it to your account. I don't know if that's like." public It's public information now, whatever, but i but we were like trying to plan to film for Wizard frame testing twenty because throughout making a bunch of them that became the goal is to make twenty of them because it's just a a good number and a good goal, and uh we were planning on having it was going to be Colin and Stuart and me and Todd and Leon to film twenty, and then I just got that message and I didn't even think of it being 20, the Matthew LaDue one, but it worked out so perfect that way. It was like, it was weird to think that the first one was just called Wizard Frame Testing. Who knew that it would have led to a whole bunch of other ones? And then finally end on one of my favorite skaters. Actually, one of the best kind of modern skaters that's taken a lot of what I really like about people like Dustin Latimer and Sagona but then put his own spin on it he also takes from skiing and he takes from parkour I just I love the way that that guy moves on skates and I think I saw him skate in person um way back when at we made it to the Canadian aggressive inline or the Canadian aggressive tour national finals in Toronto and it was uh I went with Todd and Dana and Jason Wookiee were there, and we all got our asses handed to us by pretty much anyone from Montreal or Toronto. Um, the East Coasts were very, very good, specifically Montreal, um, Quebec. Montreal, though, cleaned up. Uh, there was this little park called the Taj Mahal. I don't know if you heard about it. Those guys all ended up cleaning up and skiing shortly, like. At the beginnings of free skiing as well, they were so comfortable in the air and on transition that they just killed it. But anyways, I, I, I remember seeing Matthew Ledoux skate in person uh, back then, and he has like this really good size for for skating. Not that there's no right size, but yeah there's no right size for skating, but um, I might have footage of him somewhere. He had like great fifth elements and then there was this kid that went to our high school that looked that didn't talk very much and Dana and I would always be like oh look it's Montreal skater this this kid who always looked really serious and he looked like a young Matthew Ledoux and we talked about how he was like um he went to our school secretly but he didn't tell anyone that he skated he only skated at Taj Mahal why did I get on that tangent oh yeah because we're wrapped we wrapped um and especially from an editing perspective wrapped wizard frame testing 20 so I didn't really have a lot of time or energy or thought put into podcasting over that that time like it it was film it and and there was also some hot dogs Gods stuff that had to go up um in that time so lots of editing more than podcasting so I want to talk about editing a little bit, but I was feeling the resistance cause I hadn't done a solo cast in quite some time, but here I am, it's happening. First of all, I'd like to announce that I'm uh, sponsored now. Um, I'm sponsored by a university in town and it's a really good setup, uh, being a pro skater sponsored by this company, because I get, to, I get to skate whenever I want. There's no demands on, on what I skate, or they're not asking me to put out edits or skate a certain way. And skating is completely free for what I want to do. Um, the only catch, I get paid really well too, the only catch is I have to go in and work at the university nine to five, Monday to Friday. I actually get vacation and there's flexibility and stuff, but um, in terms of an organization that supports my skating and lets me do whatever I want in my spare time with skating, it's been, it's been really good. Um, I think it's a, it's a good setup to, to be um, sponsored by a company that you just have to put in a little bit of time and they're just hands off with your skating, and you get paid. You have a comfortable life. It's it's a good it's a good setup. So thank you, thank you to jobs for helping skating be more fun and free. <laughs> um, please donate and buy shirts because. Um, I can help pay for a video project from 10, 10 years ago. Um, there are still costs incurred from making videos from 10 years ago. Um, I'm probably, you know, I haven't paid off um, Cirque du Soleil completely and um, or better than baseball. You know, there's travel costs, there's gas costs, there's equipment costs incurred from those videos and losses from, um, making copies and and them not selling that. Um, you know, every donation helps, um, 15 years of, of debt from, um, making videos and, and everything. So, um, but the new sponsor situation is really good because, you know, I can focus more on paying off any previous skating debt you know um so any any time you buy a shirt or make a donation you are supporting and representing as joe gary said um the past future of of skating so thank you for that um yeah so Finishing up with these wizard, ta- wizard, taming, wizard taming, wizard taming, wizard taming edits, wizard taming edits, that's what came out, wizard testing edits, um, there's more creative energy now because it was like a blast, it would be like, um, as soon as the skate day w- was done, excuse me, as soon as the skate day was done, uh, my wife knew that, that... I had to, she might not see me for a while until I finished that edit or I would stay up really late or get up really early and just be obsessed with with putting out those edits. And that's kind of why I'm doing this podcast is to talk about that a little bit because learned, I've learned, i learned a lot about editing in the past few years about, about speed and um, what the footage tells you and all that great stuff. But now that we're moving on to longer projects and not putting out any short edits for quite a while. It's interesting to have that extra energy that needs to go towards something. Um, Cause it's, it's, it's weird now with that instant gratification of putting something up, even like Instagram. Now you can put 15 seconds of video up. Like you can just film something and put it up right away to, to not do that for a year or two or, or however long it's going to take to to do the new projects. Um, it You have extra, or sorry, I have extra energy because um, I'm not going to be editing anything. And there's like my job job where I edit stuff, but it's not the same. It's not, I always try and think of trying to apply the way I think of skate editing to work editing, but there's different objectives. With the skate edit, it's completely open. And when you go out to film, you might have an idea, but it's a little bit more loose on how and what you film. And sometimes I can bring that to work, but a lot of things at work have to be very structured, especially there's a lot of talking head stuff that um, it's hard to come up with creative ways to do talking heads. And something as I get older, I find um, working in video, you have to be good at talking to people, and making them feel comfortable. And that's a whole other thing. Like there's a whole set of skills that you learn um, that's way more important than operating the equipment. In, in my mind, that if there's a really comfortable person on camera that's not afraid to be on camera and not worrying about trying to say the right thing and instead just having a conversation with you, that's amazing. It's really hard to do, though. Um, so with... Give me a sec here. So moving on... From these edits starting brand new projects always feels very weird that there's that there's a, a different way of thinking about going out filming the wizard frame testing edits you knew that you were going out to film for some kind of an edit and it it made me film. And skate in a little bit more of a loose way whereas as soon as you start thinking about oh this project is uh, it's a full video or it's the big video, but as soon as you start thinking that way you're completely limiting yourself to how you experience the gathering of the footage and I've said this before but it, it bears repeating that the first thing about filming and editing, is to separate the two as far away as possible. Now, a good way to highlight this is the idea of getting clips. How we still have that language of, I'm getting clips. So you're already talking about, you're getting, you're, you're trying to anticipate that you're getting actual edited Footage while you're out living in the present and skating I understand like doing tricks like there's tricks that you want to do but getting clips is already your by the language that you're using you're saying um, I'm getting this very specific piece of footage and that's, and that's that and you're missing that the sounds that you hear or the surroundings or um, The people walking around or the quote-unquote like warm-up or quote-unquote leftover or throwaway or we have all these weird terms that we kind of um, stick to and we should think of going out to film for skating as completely open every single time a new adventure that can't be replicated and you want to think of your mood and what your what you're personally hearing and seeing and think less about what tricks you're going to be doing unless you have a very specific thing in mind, but a lot of the time it's the things that you stumble across while you have that idea in mind. It's more about the adventure. It sounded weird how I said that. It's more. Um, so you can't even think... Obviously you want to shoot with editing in mind, so get getting... A variety of angles close-ups really help double angles really help but really it just comes down to how you're feeling that day maybe you didn't maybe it's not even a filming day maybe you just want to soul skate but the idea of, of editing shouldn't be in your mind too much when you go skating you might have a song in your head that you want to use but but you have to be open to not being attached to that song or not being attached to your ideas of what you want the day to be like. It it really comes down to when you put your skates on and start rolling around. How do you feel? What do you see? What do you want to do? What do you hear is really important and um, what does your gut tell you? Do you want to be at that? Do you want to be at that spot the whole time? Do you want to go to a different spot? Um, your, your intuitive gut feeling is probably more important than the idea of getting footage. That'll kind of lead how you film. So it should more be like a session than filming. Because I've been through some really bad periods when I was younger where I got really stuck on the idea of getting footage. And then I, and my relationship and attachment to skating got really weird because I completely lost touch with just that. Like, okay, put your skates on, feel it out. In the words of Latimer, start vibing and doing soul grinds. And then, yeah, you'll feel some kind of natural uh, flow to the session or not even. Yeah, you might, maybe you just want to film your friend or you don't want to film at all. Is it an aggressive inline day? Maybe it is. Is it a big wheel day? Maybe. Is it not even a filming day at all? And you're just going to go um, skate along a path or run up a hill? I'm just here to help you. These are all things you can ask yourself. And maybe I'm wrong. But that, that's the first thing to editing for me is to realize that the gathering of the footage is as far away from editing as, as possible because you're experiencing the present and you have this memory recording device, but you want to try and grab things that aren't, that seem like authentic moments. Um, and you want to take those, but it's hard. It's hard, right? Because as soon as you, Point to camera, you're still trying to do something for a camera, but that that's gonna be way too complicated to get into that, hey? I think it is. Um I'm not a technical person. I never have been. Not even on the skates. Um, I can't like photographers would come up to me and ask me numbers on lenses and and um ISO and I don't know any, any of that stuff at, at all. Um, I kind of, I, am starting to know lenses a little bit, but any of the technical stuff with camera, like I'm still fucking terrible with white balance. And, um, I just, I come from a place of, uh, filming a lot and having my camera on auto for the longest time until, seven or eight years ago, I think I just left everything on auto to even squishing the aspect ratio on older videos because I thought it looked really good. But I was actually squishing the picture, which is a huge faux pas, but I didn't, I don't know, I liked it that way and not a lot of people cared um, back then. Now I know to just crop it, but I'm not, I'm not technical. A lot of the times I have no idea what I'm doing and I think that lends itself well to um, making stuff because it it keeps me on my toes that it <laughs> as long as you can hear people somewhat clear and the shot looks okay, um, the magic happens in editing. So that's where I'm starting to think like probably a lot of the... A lot of people who um, like to direct or take photographs are probably just have their own ways of being in the moment um, rather than being technical i'm sure there's photographers that have no technical know-how but maybe they're just really good at getting like a reaction out of people or inspiring people i think there's like different ways of approaching it we're in this World where um, how to and advice and people really want to get advice on how to be better at something and I still think um, there was some director, the guy who did who, one car why or no. Fuck that, the action director, with Chow young Fat. Um, Hard Boiled is that the name of the movie and there's doves and the double gun thing and his advice to young filmmakers oh that word his advice was um, get the camera and start shooting I love that just like the thing that you're into just start doing it because you could read up all you wanted but the what you bring to it and how you learn personally um someone like myself i don't I don't do well with the the theory stuff um, I just like taking something and messing around with it, and I have to mess around with it for a really long time to figure out how to do it, and that's the best because you actually. You never actually figure anything out, so you're constantly messing around with stuff. But it's a good base for um, for things being different all the time. I guess I don't know. Like my job right now is like being in a film school for the fourth time. Like my fourth, I keep moving film schools with each job that I do and I know I'm not like a video guy although I once saw this ad on the side of the page and there was this like bearded ponytail cartoon and it was like learn through my searches or whatever it was like for a film school and I was like holy that's weird is that is that a stereotype of a video guy or did they have different icons based on your personal information and pictures but then I thought about oh fuck maybe I am a stereotypical video guy like I can I can see myself with with like a gray beard and gray hair gray long hair being the weird video guy and I guess because I don't feel like the video guy because sometimes video guys in the past were very technical people and I'm not that person it's just my way of um, trying to stay grounded in reality with a with a job so no we won't go down that rabbit hole no we're not going to go down that rabbit hole you see you feel the resistance to do the solo cast and then you just have to be vulnerable and yourself and just talk how you would normally talk although i wonder if i always talk slightly different it's the same thing as going filming it, everyone is going to be different because of your mood but um yeah i look at i look at work as i don't I don't have all the answers. I actually... You just... You try everything. The most important thing is to not um, get too comfortable. And uh, I want to one day be like a perfectionist where I know technically exactly what I want. But then I always think... Because if you're a one-man show, it's not like I have a crew that I work with where people are worried about like carrying a bunch of gear and um setting things up there's you have to think of so many little things on the fly and and people only have so much time to be on camera and um that stuff's so interesting to me i love the idea of just still not knowing everything because yeah it keeps me on my toes and i think it would be weird if i felt like I knew exactly what I was doing at all times because I don't think anybody knows exactly what they're doing. There's people who are just really the, a lot better at pretending like they know what they're doing. Or there's people who are just better at being in the moment. and uh But those people aren't in the moment all the time. You know? I don't know. You know? I don't know. You know? You know? I don't know. Okay, so I had a bunch of topics written down, and one of them was about how I'm having trouble wearing the helmet because I went, uh, I took the wizard, the wizard setup, and I went skating on like a path by the river that I do, like a short little back and forth, maybe like two kilometers or something, and it was the first time I had used the helmet for recreational skating and I brought like um I brought my like swim shorts which are shorter than normal they're not like ridiculously short cuz I you know shorts go I don't wear shorts below the knee so my shorts for skating are slightly above the knee or maybe halfway and then these swim shorts are kind of like maybe not halfway up the thigh maybe I don't know, maybe halfway up the thigh. I don't normally skate in them. So I had, I forgot like my other skating gear. So I had these like swim shorts and my helmet and I felt so weird. Um, I had like a whole new set of, of little self-conscious things going on. And cause something, the shorts would have been fine on their own without the helmet, but adding the two in, um, I felt so weird. And then on the way back, I went to the skate park, the old park downtown, the one that just has the little concrete waves. And, uh, there were these two dudes skating. Um, the, one guy had like the, you know, like the, the cut off like denim thing with the patch and like a big, big beard, like um, someone who, who probably, you know, skateboarding with a denim thing with a, probably not open to a guy with a helmet and short swimming trunks going into the park. But I went in there and I blasted over the hip and just did like a few things going really fast and then his friend that had a board but he was sitting on it and not skating was like careful you're gonna start a fire with those things kinda kinda cynical but at the same time it was a really good line cause I was just going super fast and doing slides and things and I was like yeah a blade fire the best kind and then back to me he said the best kind in that you know the voice and you know the face um But it was funny to think of their perception of this guy walking through the dirt. Like I came from the path, recreational skating, and I had my helmet on and my shorter shorts and these like these long like speed skate looking frames. And I go in there and just start kind of ripping. Oh, (laughs) I did a fence bash at one point and the same guy was like, we didn't need that fence anyway. And just like cynical joking. And I don't get mad. It's hard to get mad when you feel that good, especially after exercising. One of the dudes was super overweight too. That happens quite a bit. There's a lot of... uh, There's been some overweight shit talkers in the past, but um, I was in such a good mood after exercising and I was so loose that I was able to just have a lot of fun just do a few things at the park and the exchange you always have the in the moment you can choose to do a snarky remark or kind of just have a sense of humor about it and that's always the best way to do it there's sometimes though where you will deal with a situation once in a while where you just can't can't handle the ignorance but that was more just lightheartedness and I totally I totally saw it from their point of view because it must have been so confusing and I kind of like that but anyways the self-consciousness didn't really go away even just visually how it looks And, and it's just my own programming because rollerblading traditionally has not been a helmet sport unless you're in a competition and my Canary in the Coal Mine crew, so Garlinghouse, Sizemore, Danny Beer, um, they they don't have their helmets on anymore. So, but it was actually the Danny Beer section from Fish and Clips that um, pushed me over the edge. Because there was one thing that made me want to buy the helmet, but then there was the one section where I was like oh I didn't even notice he was wearing a helmet in that section so I was like if I just got used to it it would look like that like if you just skated how you skated there is just still that weird thing that you know skiing, snowboarding biking, scooters I think one thing that's that's been beneficial to their rise is it's like Lots of, it's all, it's obviously young kids or whatever, but they're all wearing helmets. So families like that shit. Um, it's funny just to think that that there's activities that have helmet acceptance and there's some that don't. And I totally understand that there seems to be more of a feeling and a look of freedom if you're not wearing a helmet and no pads or anything so for skateboarding rollerblading bmx although bmx some of the guys that go absolutely huge on street wear helmets and i completely understand that fuck those falls where you go over the handlebars and smash your face sometimes a helmet can't even save you in that situation today's podcast is brought to you by 20 pounder, double IPA from, is it Big Rock? Phillips, maybe Phillips. Whoever makes fat tug, it's brought to you by a double IPA from the islands of Vancouver, Vancouver Island. Um, But I was having trouble. I was having trouble, plus, if you have long hair and it flows in the wind while you skate or it makes your falls seem harder when your hair is flailing around there's all these egotistical reasons on on why not to wear a helmet but it was actually the mike valelli podcast where he talked about i think it's podcast number two of the mike v show going forward i probably posted it and it was like one of those things that you listen to and you're like fuck i think i'm going to have to get a helmet now and uh also he didn't look bad in it at all he's like he's 40 something now it just looks really normal that he's wearing a helmet and i was like you know i think i might have to do it between i, I started i just started thinking about the main thing, it, there was three points of inspiration. The The main safety reason was I'm just going so much faster now. Not only while doing tricks and movements and bombing down hills and doing slides, but also filming. Um, you're looking sometimes at the person skating and you're going full speed and you're not sure... Speed control on skates, you might have to slow down before you hit something or, you know, it's, it's, these speeds are unpredictable, is basically what I'm trying to say. The speeds that we're going, we're going very high speeds, rollerblades are difficult to control speed, and it's unpredictable. Not only while, uh, while uh, being filmed, but also being the filmer. You don't, you don't know, uh, you're not looking in the direction sometimes. Sometimes you're going backwards backwards facing the skater and you're not even looking where you're going now is that a reason to wear a helmet definitely anyways that was one reason and then there was the mike v podcast that i listened to and then there was the yeah when i saw the danny beer section i'm like i could probably i could probably get away with doing it and it would look good because it looked good on danny and it looked good like skiing videos it never i never really noticed it wasn't like it wasn't like I was watching a section and be like, you know what? That would have been way better if that person wasn't wearing the helmet. I never found myself saying that. It would change the vibe. like um, Dustin ever in Coupe de Tat if he had a helmet, would it have changed the whole vibe of the section? Of course it would have. Um, would more people have worn helmets if he was wearing a helmet in Coupe de tat? Of course. So just weird things to think about anyways a couple weeks ago on the way to the fucking session filming wizard frame testing 19 I was saying to Todd yeah I was gonna do a podcast and I was gonna talk about how I'm self-conscious about wearing a helmet because it just feels weird and I kind of said you know I went rec skating and I wore it and it just felt awkward and um that that whole idea of cool, which is so dumb now that we're in the year 2015, it seems like you should just be able to go in the direction that feels comfortable for you this day and age. Yeah, I just, I didn't, it didn't feel good and I had trouble, like I felt dorky sometimes, not all the time because you, you put it on you and you forget that you have it on and then and then, of course, 45 minutes to an hour into the session, doing a bull carve that I got. I We got the bull carve shot. Todd goes forwards, and then I go fakie through the bull. And we got it, and I wanted to do it again. Classic filming thing. Do it again. I wanted to do it a little bit faster. And the first one... I did fine I did completely, it completely, it just needed to be relaxed. It didn't need to be full speed. This wasn't filming for um, the most important moment of your life where you just have one shot, one opportunity to have everything you ever wanted. No, you're just rollerblading in a skate park, that's all. And you have to go to work after. But I, I came in, I dropped in, there's like this um, hump off camera that you can drop into the bowl, it has a nice rounded edge so you can really jump into it. And I always, I jump into it and then I turn fakey, which happens off camera. And I know doing that, I was thinking like, holy shit, I'm coming in fast and it doesn't look super fast. Um, thankfully, of course, we got it on film too when it happened. So you can see, um, it doesn't look like I'm going that fast until I hit. And the, I do that faky carve all the time, no matter what skates I'm wearing. And I guess um, I just went too fast into it and I didn't know my foot was going to go up over the wall. It was such a dumb mistake that could have been prevented had I been maybe like went from uh, a more chill you carve like the first one to maybe a medium speed on the second one and then go for the full speed it's tough sometimes with um, with the frames like with a hundred millimeter wheels you're going like you're going speed skating speeds without thinking sometimes and there's been moments even where I'll just I'll pop over something and realize holy shit there's a wall there and I've had to like slide into a wall and slam it with my elbow, Carlos style, and think like, holy fuck, if I wasn't thinking a little bit more. Rollerbunning is weird that way. Like, um, I guess other activities are, but like anticipating. um, There's so many weird little skills that we have. Like you can last minute jump over something or dodge something or anticipate something in the distance or... um, do like the mighty ducks when charlie like gaps over a car just off flat somehow he goes like 10 feet in the air it's amazing that he could do that and uh landed it perfectly after air walking it but there's these little skills that we have and i think if i would have led up to it a little bit more because i'm still getting used to the speed and of these frames it's not like i've done that bull carve a lot in that setup i've done it more in a in a slower smaller wheel setup or even like 80 millimeter or 70 millimeter but especially um the wheel protruding out the front a little bit um you can really like lay into your toes and heels and get some power off these things so my foot went up i knew i was fucked in the moment. But the speed that I was going. Because I had taken a fall like that before. But the speed that I was going. I was just so fucked. And. You can hear me like gasp. Like oh. And then. Ugh! And. Um, and I felt my head hit. I thought it was the coping. But it was just below. And you can see I go to grab my head. And realize that. I was wearing a helmet and the look of shock and surprise on my face when I realized that I started wearing a helmet like two weeks before that. For my 33rd birthday, I had bought myself a helmet because of the Mike V podcast. And, you know, some people say, did you fall because you were wearing a helmet? And I think I was going faster into that because I was wearing the helmet. So could be true. But at the same time, I could have fucking done that so easily without the helmet because i still would have gone fast into that because of the frame and just wanting to do it again wanting to like i love going super fast in this setup and i you see how hard i hit i don't know if i would be doing this podcast or if i would have been in at work i may have still been at the hospital and um nothing like there was no blackout or anything just the shock of like being really happy. Like I was still anything that happens after the bull carve we filmed after I had hit my head. It was like a, it was just going on. And I remember talking like, are you okay? Like, can we still skate? And I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just really happy. I was wearing a helmet. And then, um, yeah, finished the edit, went into work, started to feel like on the drive home, it felt a little bit weird. Like I had had my bell rung, and then my neck for the next 48 hours from trying to, I guess, we have it built in from not skating with a helmet that we can we can like pull our neck in and make it as tense as possible. but you can see on that fall that I just had I had no chance, um, especially when you're going backwards full speed into a wall, basically, with a curve that's turning you into the wall. Um, yeah, I just I had. I had no chance, so the brain still sloshes around in the skull with fluid, so it probably smacked against the inside of my skull and maybe the front of it sloshed back and forth, but yeah, I felt just a little bit off, and yeah, super sore neck, and then the headache started setting in, and, and I just felt off for 24 to 48 hours. I didn't puke or anything, and like I said, I didn't black out from the hit, but then, um, I think after 48, 72 hours and the headache was, the neck had gone away. Neck was like felt so, so, but headache, still headache. And I was worried about, um, like a bruise on the brain. So I made a doctor's appointment and, and he was most worried about if I had puked, um, in the first 24 to 48 hours or if the headache was so bad that I was waking up in the middle of the night because my head hurt so much and that wasn't the case but I went through all these neurological and nerve tests you he, he ran through all of this stuff and it was fine he just said you know avoid contact sports for two weeks and it was cool I got to show him the fall and uh watching people like Watching people's reactions to that is really intense. And some people at work actually who didn't know that I even rollerbladed, that was their first introduction to me. Rollerblading was me smashing my head, going full speed backwards in a helmet. And then they ended up watching some of the other stuff after and they're like, you're lucky to be alive like I was watching some of the other stuff and you hadn't been wearing a helmet. So it was interesting to to think about how the first thing that they saw was something that seemed dangerous. Even though it isn't to me at all, that was something quite normal. But it made the rest of the stuff seem more dangerous because they could see just going backwards, you can fall and hit your head. And I think... I know that like there's still that that idea of, like, um, well, you know, doing little things or um, this ca- certain kinds of skating, it's not dangerous. And it's like, well, it is still pretty fucking dangerous if you're going full speed forwards or backwards in any environment where there's, there's unpredictable factors. It's pretty fucking dangerous. Going downstairs backwards on one foot, full speed, it's pretty dangerous. But I understand, like, it's not a stunt, but it's dangerous. So I'm just happy I have that helmet. And now, you know, I got my answer. I have to wear that thing all the time now. Um, So weird how that stuff happens. Could have been, like, no, no more video projects, no more skating. And if it was, it just would not have been the same if I hit my head that hard. Um, or maybe. I, I think we are obsessive people, creatures, and we, um, we are resilient, and we can rise up from tra- tragedy. But I don't know. That was a hard hit. Really hard hit. God damn it. I don't like watching the video because I was just thinking about if I, if I wasn't wearing a helmet, just things would be way, way different. Um, two more things that I have written down here, where are we at? 50. I wanted to talk about the ground control bigs. Um, because people wanted me to, and I don't know if I did on another podcast or not, but I want to say it's a step in the right direction. Um, I'm I, I truly believe that that frame is like the beginnings of something that could be really good, and they are really good. They're still. Um, where the bolts go in, there could be a little bit of work there cause you need the spacers and how people have to, um, shave nubs off or whatever. Um, but they perform quite well. I still think it, it, the certain wheel sizes and, um, for how hard it is to get the wheels in, I get that weird, um, clicking sound when I put inside or, or like pro pronate and and supinate pressure on the outside and inside edges of the skate with the gc wheels it didn't it, i think they fit quite perfect and there was no weird sounds but as soon as i put um i think it was the Circolo wheels in the middle um it was like that click 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 and i asked about it and there was um People said it could be your bearing spacers or the way that bearings fit in the wheels. So I'll still test them out with, um, I can't wait to test them out with the Seba Deluxe wheels, the 72s. But I don't I don't like my shit to make noise. Um, so that really bugs me about them. But the plastic is really hard. So I mean, you know, there's a price that you got to pay. But compared to the Kaiser level twos or is it level threes? You know, I love, a, I, love a, I love the wheels going in, not too easily, but locking in and not like struggling and swearing, especially the center part of the GC Bigs. Um, I swore a lot to get the wheels in the middle, the Circulos especially. Um, but apart from the, the where, where the bolts go in and, and the, the bearing pressure sound, They perform quite well. Um, Material's good, but a big wheel frame should be metal with a plastic casing. And lastly, there's so many tricks left to do. So many. I hope that was good.